With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Welcome back to episode 101 with Roland Butcher, where we continued our chat about the Ashes. In part two, What Next for England, the former international gave his thoughts on the future of Captain Joe Root, coach Chris Silverwood and the team, as well as looking ahead to the White and Red Bull Tours of the Caribbean. As for the future now, in the World Test Championship, looking up, we're now, England are now ninth of the nine test-playing test nations. Uh, where do England go from here with regard to captain, coach, and who selects the team? That is a very good question. There's no doubt that something has to be done. Changes have to be made in certain departments. In terms of the captain, it is, high, it is highly likely that Joe Root will continue. Uh, you know, he says he wants to continue. And I wouldn't subscribe to perhaps clearing the decks of every, everyone at this point in terms of captain, coaches, etc. So let's assume that Joe Root will come to the Caribbean as captain. Um, and obviously, Ben Stokes still has to recover fully from injury. So he, he's out of the equation right now, for Captain, because, you know, he, he, he's not fully fit at this stage. He's not back to his best. But obviously he would be the natural choice, I think, going forward uh, to take over from Joe But at this moment, the, the next tour, I think, you know, Root will continue. I don't see the coaching um, staff surviving. Um, Silverwood, I can't see him really surviving. Um, and going to to the other thing you spoke about was the selection part. Um, I think Ashley Giles made a huge, huge error in dismantling um, the selection process that you had before. And really, because of that error, he put Silverwood in a position where 
at the end of the day, it cost him his job because I do not believe, honestly, that the head coach of a team should be the main selector. I don't subscribe to that at all. They're two completely different worlds. There needs to be a separation. The head selector has to be an impartial guy. The Silverwood is too close to the team. Right? He, he's, he's coaching these guys on a daily basis. He's in the dressing room. He's interacting with them. And personal things can get in, in the way because if a player is having a problem with Silverwood on a personal level, it could easily, I'm not saying it will, but it could easily affect Silverwood's decision to pick him in the side. So for me, that was a huge mistake as Joyce made. And really, the question is, you know, will he pay for that, pay with his head for that? I, I, I really don't believe that it was the best thing to do to put Silverwood, who is a relatively new and inexperienced head coach, because he's only just got the job. And you throw in, you know, the head selector role as well. He was put in an untenable position where something like this was always going to happen with that situation. In a way, I'm very glad that it's happened this quickly because it gives you the opportunity to reflect and realize that going forward, if you have to remove Silverwood, that you do not put this new coach in the same situation because he also will be burdened by it and it will affect him and the team and individuals. And at the end of the day, you know, you'll end up changing coaches again. But as I said, I think Silverwood, because of taking on that role and you know, he, he, he will go, he will lose his job um, because going forward, you know, he hasn't really shown, uh, he hasn't got the experience. So he hasn't really shown that with a, you know, a weakened England team that he would have the skills and ability um, to take the team forward uh, and take the individual players forward. So, you know, he will go. Um, Ashley Giles, I guess the decision will be made on him as well. That was his first big decision and it was a bad one. You, you spoke out about the um, selection process before on this podcast and it does seem inconceivable that, that, that a coach can lead his team into a World Cup, T20 World Cup, while some of the other players are going to Australia for the Ashes and then he has to switch codes to a different format of the game. Do you think if Silverwood is replaced, that we should have a white ball coach and a red ball coach? I think most definitely. I, I think the different forms of the game has its own skills and it requires um, a certain type of individual um, to be coaches um, of those teams. Uh, so it may be a finance thing that they want to wrap everything up in one and have um, one coach to cover all courts. But I'm a firm believer in separation because the tactics required in T20 cricket uh, is totally different to the tactics required in Test cricket. So someone may be 
fine for test cricket because their strategy and thinking is for that game, but devoid of that in T20 cricket, where it calls for a different strategy. And same thing really with 50 over cricket. I would go to the test coach, T20 coach, 50 over coach. That would be my thinking. The idea of a coach these there do, doing everything, it really is, it is madness. As you know, in the past, the coach would have to do fitness. He had to do this and whatever. The modern game now, you've got your strength and conditioning coach. You've got your massage therapist. You've got your physiotherapist. Those are all different areas of the game now that the coach doesn't have to bother about. But to have him doing three different courts. Um, and I'll give, I mean, I'll, I'll give an example. I mean, take this last series in Australia where you're in a test series against the number one ranked team in the world. You've got an inexperienced side batting and bowling. You're getting hammered, right, in the test format. You're thinking about how to get out of this thing. But on the other hand, in the, in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking, as soon as this door finished, I now have a T20 series in the Caribbean. That requires different thinking, different strategy, right? Now, if, for instance, you had a white ball coach, a T20 coach, while the test series is going on, he would have been strategizing in England with his players and planning and whatever for the white ball series. Instead of having Silverwood think about the test, he's under pressure already because you're getting hammered one after the other. But you still have to be thinking forward. Um, that is why, for me, I want the separation so that I'm going to hold you. You are the test coach. I'm holding you accountable for the test results. You're the T20 coach. I'm holding you responsible for the T20 coach, T20 results, not the test results, and also the 50 over. That would be my idea. And, and what about um, the team? Are you um, suggesting uh, wholesale changes or subtle changes? This was a question from Mark Nunn from Newmarket Cricket Club. I think you're going to have to be make subtle changes. Um, obviously, this next assignment is is a T20 section. You've, you know, England have been playing pretty good T20 over the years, so you've got the basis of, of, of a pretty good unit there. Obviously, you've added new additions to that, but, and obviously, people are missing like Butler and, and people like that, but you've added some new additions to something that is already working. So there's no need for drastic changes in the T20 format because you just finished semi-final of the, of the World Cup. You had one bad game in the, in, in, in the T20 World Cup. So there's no, there shouldn't be doom and gloom. Really what you should be doing now is to be looking for these young players who've come in to now challenge the guys who are missing and also that would improve your strength, your squad strength going forward. So that's a good opportunity for these young players. So 
I don't think there's a lot to change for this T20 series in, in the Caribbean. I was thinking more of the, the Test series, though. You know, should England be persevering with Broad and Anderson? Should we be changing the wicketkeeper? Who's going to be our spin bowler? Who would you open the batting with? Those sort of questions. Yeah, those are questions they're going to have to answer. Um, and again, if you're playing the next series in England, you know, you will pick a side suited um, and the players suited for your conditions. So the likes of Broad and Anderson will still figure in the thinking somewhere because that's where they're at their best, in their home conditions. So to, to think of um, getting rid of those two really makes no sense now um, when you're playing at home because they thrive in those conditions. So they will be around. You would hope that sometime in the summer you can have Joe Archer back on the park to assist Mark Wood. I mean, that, that would certainly help him. Um, in England, you know, Robinson is likely to play because, again, you know, his type of conditions. So he's going to get a, a chance. And, you know, the, the England young batters over the last couple of years playing in England have had some pretty good success. You know, um, you know, Pope has scored runs in England. Um, Crawley scored runs in England. Um, Burns. So I think for all the clamour for for the changes, I think it's likely to be subtle changes. There cannot be wholesale, wholesale changes just for the sake of um, changing the team around. Who would you go for as the wicketkeeper? I mean, Butler's now... Going to, I think, going to be out of the West Indies tour because of his finger. But would you foresee next summer Butler coming back, keeping wicket for England, or do you think his time as an England wicketkeeper is over? Well, he could possibly be on the sideline for the time being, and for me, not so much about his keeping, but it's because of his batting. You know, he he really was chosen. They all knew that he was not the best government that they've got in the country but what they knew about him was that he could be the most destructive batsman in the team circumstances um, dictated that that didn't happen for him so you know he could find himself out of the side now the next test series I mean you'll tell me whether I'm wrong I mean I'm not sure whether England have got an away series before they come to the Caribbean in March um, no, no, so, we go sweet. Caribbean is our next test series. And then next summer next we're playing series. New Zealand, India and South Africa next summer in England. Right. So I, I, yeah, I, I would expect that in the Caribbean that there was certainly blood to keep another keeper. So I guess the likes of folks you may see um, come into the setup. Or um, these days, I'm not sure how Bairstow feels about keeping, but could be the the backup keeper in the Caribbean, which means you wouldn't have to bring another keeper besides Fort. So I think Butler would, you know, he, Butler would take a time out now for sure. But you still think that, say, Broaden Anderson, and are you hopeful, you probably know some, some information, are you hopeful that Joffre Archer will come back and play Test cricket? Well, he's... Um, Recovering, uh, he saw something from him yesterday. I think he's here in Barbados now. And he's, I think he's 
started to train with the with the guys. Um, I'll, I will speak to him over the next couple of days and find out how that is going, and probably see him um, on Saturday when the first game starts. But he is here. Um, I'm sure that you know he he will come back. It's just a question of when, uh, whether they're rushing back. Um, I don't think they should. Um, I think he should be reintroduced um, when he's when he's fit and ready, um, gradually, uh, which means that really when your English summer starts, that you know he needs to get some cricket if he's available at the start. He needs to get some cricket on his belt. And in in England before he's recalled to the to the Test arena, and you know look to reintroduce him you know late in the summer. I'm not sure of England's winter schedule next year, but you should have an eye um, on the winter schedule um, and just you know ease him back into the game because a fit draw for Archer Archer um, you know he will. Add to the team. Now, the other guys who get an opportunity to come to the Caribbean really has a chance, like Mahmoud and others, to um, make a case for themselves on a longer-term basis. I can't believe they will bring both Anderson and Broad. Um, I, I would doubt um, they would want to bring both on on this tour um, at this moment in time. Anderson probably uh, looks probably looks the favourite to to come, even though in the Caribbean, you know, his record is not that great in the Caribbean over time. Uh, so they will have to take uh, a view on him whether they believe this time round, based on what he's done in Australia, that he can have have an impact in the Caribbean and. Broad, again, they will have a. They'll have to make something out of that. Do we take Broad? I don't believe they can bring both. I think Robinson um, will do pretty well here because you know he will bowl that nagging length and, and just keep it there, keep it there, and you know we'll get some success. So he will come. Um, it's just a question of whether they, you know, go for one or the other. Younger bowlers. What is the position with people like Stone and um, Stone, Stone's out for quite a while. Stone is, right. yeah, right. But Mahmoud's so, Mahmoud's certainly in the T Twenty squad, isn't he? So how how do you yeah. think? Talking about the the West Indies tours now that that we've got the five T Twenties that start in Barbados on Saturday. This this podcast will be going out on Sunday. How yeah. do you think the T Twenty series will go? I would say even with Changes to the side, England really um, would be favourites because West Indies have had to make various changes since the World Cup. They've only really played in in um, the Pakistan. They played, uh, which they you know which they got beaten in Pakistan. So I think that was three love. So really, they now have to regroup. So uh, England are introducing players into the side who may be short of international experience, but they certainly have much more first-class experience um, than the players that West Indies will be introducing into the team. So those guys have played 
lots of T20 cricket in England and in other places around the world. So they still got the nucleus of the team there, you know, Roy, Morgan, etc., etc. So I would expect that England at this point will start the series as as favourites. I mean, have the Westerners since the uh, T20 World Cup have had a reset? I mean, Chris Gale won't be playing, and Dwayne Bravo's retired. Yeah, I mean, with um, those two gone, and there was so obviously Rand Paul who played in the World Cup. Um, he's out of there. Sam Russell, um, you know, so they have Hetman. Um, sort of, you know, there there are changes there um, in the in their setup. So it's opportunities there for the new people. Um, someone like Kyle Mears, who didn't play in Pakistan because he had, he had COVID in Pakistan. So there's opportunities for people like him to step up now, even though he's on that tour. Um, you've got Fiorin Allen who's come back now. Um, Brandon King got a couple of scores in Pakistan. So those guys now got to continue where they started and try to put in some good performances in these five games because it's a very busy, busy schedule that West Indies have got between now and well, the entire year, not not up to the World Cup. I mean, the schedule is is quite grueling. So um, those matches are going to be very important for those players. Yes, because we mustn't forget there's another T20 World Cup in Australia starting, I think, at the end of October. We've also got the three-match test series between England and the West Indies um, playing in Antigua, Barbados and Grenada. England have only won uh, once in the West Indies or in the Caribbean since 1968 in 2004. West Indies will be coming back from a 2-0 series defeat against Sri Lanka away. How do you think the the test series will go? Again, you know, that could be an interesting test series because um, England coming off of a, a drubbing in Australia, not at this stage knowing what their best 11 will be. Um, West Indies haven't played any test cricket since being beaten by um, Sri Lanka in those two test matches. So they've got to start over again. So I think all in all, um, you're looking at quite a balanced series between two sides who are certainly not at their best. Um, so in the end, it, it could actually turn out to be quite a, an exciting and interesting um, test series that could end up 2-1 um, um, to one of the sides. To say which side at this moment in time, I think it will be difficult to call because both sides are playing some pretty poor cricket. And are you hoping to do some commentary work when they're, when they're playing in, in Barbados? Well, yes, but there seems to be some difficulties um, going on right in the Caribbean at this moment in time. And I will explain some of the difficulties because the norm is that wherever you are there's usually apart from the TV commentary there's usually radio commentary um, in these parts now up to today we have not heard or know that there's going to be any radio commentary in Barbados for these five matches 
and it could even lead into the test matches as well, which is a very worrying thing for the Caribbean. Um, it is very sad that you've got five matches in Barbados. Um, only people who can go to the games who are fully vaccinated. The capacity in the stands um, has been capped at 50%. So you're going to have a lot of people who want to watch cricket, can't watch cricket for those reasons. They're either not vaccinated or they are vaccinated, but they cannot get tickets. And yet, unless they can get to a television, they cannot listen to the game. And then they will not be able to listen across the region as well. So that is a worrying um, thought, but that's what's happening. So right now, at this moment, um, all of us as commentators, we have no idea what is happening on Saturday. So it looks at this moment as if nothing is happening on Saturday for the first game. As I said, Talk Sports doing the, the radio commentary, but as you know, where that would be done. Well, that can't be good for the game in the in the Caribbean uh, and, and in particular Barbados, uh, where the games are being played. Uh, thank you again, Roland, for giving me a thorough review of the Ashes series and looking towards the future of the England team, uh, the coaching setup, and the West Indies series. Yes, Stephen, that's a great pleasure. Uh, I always like to discuss um, these things. Um, you know, the Ashes series um, cost me a lot of very late nights because most nights um, games were started in certain parts of Australia at midnight and that was also at the same time um, when India and South Africa were playing so when when the game finished in the morning in Australia um, you turn over and watch India South Africa so it cost me a lot of sleep for many, many weeks. And you also had thrown in there uh, New Zealand, Bangladesh as well, which we're watching as well. So um, it's been a pretty hectic six weeks or so of, of international cricket. And we've got a little bit of a break now, but it's been fun and always a pleasure to come on and talk about those things. Well, at least you've got the sunny weather to look forward to. We've got frosty mornings here, dark and everything. Well, at this moment in time, maybe the dark, frosty mornings would, would help me because, you know, when, when you finish and you want to sleep and the sun is up, it is not that difficult. It's not that easy. So if it was, if it was dark and frosty, I may get to sleep in the daytime a lot, a lot easier and a lot quicker. Well, thank you again for joining me. Pleasure. Coming up in part three, the final part of my Ashes chat with Roland, we delved into the world of coaching and the structure of the English game. I never thought we would hear Arsene Wenger mentioned on the Paddock and the Pavilion. Thank you for listening to the Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.